Hey, this is Vinnie Moore, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead Scott here. Richie. And uh, back in the studio together uh, for another week. It's been, what, been a couple weeks? Yeah, Studio B. Studio B. <laughs> this is like Studio like E at this point. But uh, yeah, anyways, uh, I, I got to say, hopefully everyone uh, enjoyed the uh, episode last week as we had Sylvie Simmons come back on and uh, talk all about everything. I mean, mm-hmm. that was, I think the second interview was probably even better than the first. At least to me, it was just had a lot more, I don't know, just a lot more stuff to it. It was better because... She'd already spoken to me. Yeah. Kind of knew mm-hmm. where I was going. Um, I think she had time to look up some of the some of the bands, maybe. You know, maybe she remembered stuff after I talked to her the first time. Yeah. She knew when I talked before the second time, mm. you know, that I was yeah. going to call her again. And, and I got a lot more specific about particular bands on this one. It wasn't about her path into journalism. Mm-hmm. It was more the the people that she was interviewing. Yeah, yeah I thought it was really good. I, I just thought it was a, just a nice like second segment. It almost made me wish like, wow, I wish we talked to everybody like a second time like that because you just like you developed the rhythm with her, and it just it sounded really good. But yeah, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, definitely check out both episode three forty one and three forty three for all the good stuff that uh, Sylvie has to talk about. And definitely go to sylviesimmons dot com and check out if she's got any tour dates coming near you, where she'll yeah. Uh, does a little reading and a little ukulele playing and a bit of singing and all that, but uh, definitely uh, just someone who's still well into the scene, has a great memory for a lot of stuff, and if she doesn't, she she looks it up, but I, I, I found, just, I had a lot of fun just listening to it, editing it. You see, a lot of a lot of what she's done, I wouldn't be aware of. Mm-hmm. I knew she wrote for Mojo. Yeah. And you're talking to her, and she starts throwing in George Harrison, and then yeah. she starts throwing in Michael Jackson, and then all these names, and yeah. all these, and most of those interviews that would have been done in person. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's interviewed some of the biggest stars on the planet. Oh, yeah. yeah it, was, I, it was funny that, you know, she brought up the Halford thing. That's the cream book that I let you borrow. That's yeah. That's what that's from. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and even just, uh, uh, you know, when, when the first one got posted, she posted up a really cool picture of her getting carted around with some of the royalty of uh, 80s L.A. rock. It was a great picture. And uh, if you haven't checked that out, if you haven't seen that on, uh, on Twitter – then uh, you can also go to uh, focusonmetal.blogspot.com, and that is on actually on the show notes for the show for last week. That pick is up there. Just a great pick of, of uh, Sylvie kind of being the queen of L.A. correspondence. So great picture. Big thanks to her for sharing that. Yeah, but, excellent. Uh, great guest we have on this week. Uh, you managed to sit down with Vinnie Moore from UFO. Yeah. Not to call him a shredder. And, have we uh, ever had anyone from UFO? Yeah, we had Andy Parker. Oh, you spoke to yeah, him. Way yeah, way back, yeah. Way back. Yeah, yep, definitely. Was I even on the show then? Um, no, it, you weren't. Was it no. a UFO album he was promoting? Uh, yeah, he was. I don't even remember what it was. It was okay. way back, yeah. I don't remember anyone We had Andy UFO Parker before. on. Um, he was pretty We had Eddie Trunk on. He's in UFO, isn't he? Yeah, he might as well be. <laughs> um, and uh, also this week, uh, Urban, Urban Breed comes back again. As uh, AFM artist Sirius Black put out their third full-length one, it's uh, it's called Magic, and uh, just came out. Good stuff. And these guys are just amazingly prolific. Just with the number, the firepower in that band is pretty good. So it's good to have Urban come back on again. And uh, we had a great chat. 
So uh, kind of like kind of like the Sylvie Simmons thing. You talk to people multiple times, and uh, you know they just they're a little different every time you talk to them. They get comfortable with you, and uh, I think you can really see that with the uh, with the urban one. But uh, good interview with Vinny. Tell he's a little bit guarded on a few things because he's still kind of like you know that's his day job, but. Um, still, I think he was very honest and open about the whole shredder questions you asked him and mm. all that, which was cool. And uh, you know, I remember back in the day buying his first CD and just like, wow, the just the guy's sense of melody and all that that he put in the songs. It was he was a little different than just a million mile an hour note guys, you know. Well, I think a lot of people were caught off guard when he he was brought into UFO. It was like because yeah. people looked at Vinny Moore and they went. Yeah, oh, he's a shrapnel guy. Yeah. Vinnie Moore and UFO. And then they brought out You Are Here. Yeah. Like, it, was, it was a great album. And I think he's done like six, six yeah. or seven I think it's more that the UFO is usually always considered to be like an English band. They forget that Michael Schenker's German. But you know what I mean? And then yeah, but Schenker, when you look at Schenker, Schenker was always uh, known for his melody. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, of course, Vinnie can play everything. But yeah. With, with, with a lot of those... Shredder, well, he's, I know he doesn't classify himself as Shredder, right. but he came up in that group. Sure. It was speed. Yeah. But, I mean, then again, so was Richie Kotzen, right? That's and, true. And he's he's a very tasty player, and he's more known for, for, for the melodies and for the kind of the blues inflections and all that. I think a lot of those guys had a, had a bass line, and then they just practiced their asses off. And I think you see that with a lot of guitar players, though, that were like that, like a million mile an hour kind of players. And now they're being able to express something else in their playing. I mean, even like Steve Morse. I mean, Steve Morse at the dregs and stuff, he was, you know, crazy, you know. But then you see him with Purple and with some of the stuff he's doing with the Steve Morse band now. And, and there's a different side of him you get to see as well. So it's I pretty love, cool. I love his playing with you know? Purple. Yeah, it's, it's I've, I still, th- and I always say it, part of the best thing with Steve playing with Deep Purple is he is like the happiest freaking guy on the planet yeah. when he's up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's infectious and it's, and that's, it's just great. It's great to see that. Just to see a guy who is having so much goddamn fun, you mm-hmm. know, and just just the polar opposite of Richie Blackmore. Yeah, and you know? of course, soon enough now we've got a uh, UFO back over here with Saxon again doing another run. Yep, and yep. Uh, which shows that there are fans here yep. that love those bands because uh, I know the venue around here they're playing is a lot bigger than the one that they played last year. Right, and. Um, you know, it's great that the two bands can actually, you know, get on the same bill again. Mm-hmm. The promoters are willing to pony up the money. And yeah. This, you know, obviously the people still want to go and see Yeah, them. I think that's that's awesome that they're that they're back there. They're doing that. It's a great bill. Yeah, yeah. But then another great bill, and you kind of touched on it, you know, in the interview as well, is uh, him going out with Gus G. And that's going to be great. That's up at the Tupelo. Yeah, that's which in is, November. I yeah, they, that'd be a mint gig for us right there. Yeah. You know, good venue there. Short hop from here. Mm. Parking. See if I can get us hooked up for that. <laughs> yeah, parking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vinny and Gus, that'd be, uh, yeah. that's a good night out now. Yeah, but, you know, I, uh, one thing I'm surprised you didn't get a text from you at all was, uh, speaking of another Vinny that popped up in the news, is what do you think about uh, Vinny Vincent going to appear <laughs> at the Atlanta Kiss Expo? Um, I know we were delving into a little bit of decibel geek territory. No, I, no this, I, I'm actually glad you brought this up. <laughs> um they better be offering refunds if you're going to pony up the money. That's what I was thinking too. Like, is he actually going to appear? Well, and the other thing. And will he take the, pictures? And will he answer questions? And- well, the, the big question, why now? What's changed? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
because really nothing has, right? He, I, you, I, you'd figure he would have been offered money on multiple occasions sure before now. I'm sure he has. Um, maybe he just figure. Maybe he figures it's it's time. Um, uh-huh. just poke his head up and see what see what see what's going on. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was amusing that the brave words piece for it used his mugshot. <laughs> that was good. I think a lot of them are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was shocked. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I was That's shocked. why I was surprised I didn't get a text from you. And, uh, but yeah, I just was like, yeah, that's just kind of weird. Yeah. And of course, um, like I'm friends with, uh, with Chris and, and the Decibel Geek. Yeah. And of course, I think within a few minutes, he had to put up a post on his <laughs> Facebook page. I know. Because <laughs> those guys have been, uh, been doing some great work on Kiss. And I think he's the, uh, the number one guest that they, they want to get on. And well, I mean, that's the foundation of the show is that he was doing a thing basically about Vinnie Vincent. That's what the show actually started from. Yeah. And he never intended to make a podcast, but he had so much good stuff. It kind of spun out to it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just interesting that like out of nowhere now, like Vinnie Vincent appears is going to agree to appear at that one. And at the Atlanta one too, which is even like, what? If someone showed me, uh, or shared with me um, the price list. I think it's like nearly $300 meet and greet. Good Lord. God knows what that's going to involve. Yeah, I bet you probably won't be allowed to ask him any questions. Uh-huh. It's, it's a picture. Sign yeah. this. Piss off next. Yeah. yeah. All I can um, think of is, I can't remember who it was. It might have been that guy you hate on GIR talking about doing a meet and greet for, uh, for Jimmy Page back in like the 80s. And they basically had him all like on a two-wheeler. And they wheeled them by everybody, and it was like you've just met Jimmy Page, <laughs> <laughs> like literally, you like a dolly. It, you they just wheeled him by. You, br- <laughs> you, br- you breathed in the same air in the room as Jimmy Page. <laughs> but um, I shocked. Yeah, honest to God, shocked. Yeah. Um, this can either go two ways now. I think with the Kiss fans, and there's Uber Kiss fans. You know, and I know that fans are going to travel now. Yeah, they're going to pony up the money and travel. Uh-huh. They're either going to bow down in front of him and not give a shit about what's what he, what he has or hasn't done yeah. in the last twenty years. Yeah, or are they they're actually going to ask him some decent questions? I think I think definitely some of the latter. I definitely I agree with you on that. Um, because I mean that's why I would go is questions, but I think there's going to be just more like the Barnum and Bailey aspect. What does he look like? Yeah, are all the rumors true? Like, all, you know, is all he of a that, woman? You know, all of that stuff. I, I just think is going to be more the the attraction of it. You know, I mean, maybe they're just going to have him inside a black box. Well, this the one thing I'd be interested to know, and and I'm sure someone could tell me. Uh, is there a Q and A? Yeah, right. Or is it literally he sits at a table? Hmm. You bring one thing, he signs it. You shake his hand, get a picture, and yeah. that's it. If there's a Q and A now, that'd be that'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think that yeah, if you're if you're ponying up three hundred bucks to get like you know, lick it up signed and a picture, you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's that's nothing. I mean, what the hell? What is? I, I'm with you. I would. I want to have. I want answers. I, you know, like what are you even doing? Are you going to do anything else? You know, there's 
I think a lot of questions people it's, want to know. I'm not saying you're going to get the answers. You yeah. should have the opportunity to get them. I mm-hmm. don't think I don't. I think that's going to be denied to you. Maybe, which I think is a pity. Yeah, I think if he's going to do this, he should go the whole hog and because mm. once it's done for him, it's done. Right. If he if he just does it half assed, yeah, he's going. There's going to be more questions than than answers, and you know people are just going to go fucking mad and. And it's it's going to be. Uh, I think the promoter is going to get hammered because it's going like you charge me two hundred and ninety dollars for yeah. that, right? Yeah. yeah, and I think you know. I mean, is he doing it for a payday? I mean, is that what it is? Because if he is. He, if he is, and he's not going to do anything more than you know sign and snap, I mean, no one else is going to want to have him. I mean, he'll he'll have the one payday, and there won't be another kiss convention that's going to want to have him on the bill because they're going to be like. Well, the first thing he has know. to do is behave himself. Yeah, exactly. You know, you you want a cast iron contract from him because yeah. where was it in Sweden or Finland or somewhere he he uh, he was he had, he'd done a runner or something at some convention. Really? Oh, I, yeah, I, I, didn't, sto- I didn't know about that. There's been stories about him before. Huh. Well, there's been stories about him. Period. Yeah. But um, I, I know for I think a couple of conventions in the past he's uh, he he hasn't done what he was supposed to do. I wonder if the uh, the, the the guitarist there from New England is going to go down and ask him some serious questions. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few guitarists up here now. Yeah, but Hirsch has got some. Uh, yeah, he screwed him over. So yeah. ah, well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, you never know. All right. Well, one thing I do know is that uh, we got some great interviews on the show this week. Starting off with uh, Richie's great talk with the uh, one and only Vinnie Moore, and I say, uh, we'll roll that right now. Sure. This is Vinny. Hi, Vinny. It's Richie from Focus on Metal. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. So where, where are you at the moment in the States? I'm in at home on the East Coast in America. Okay. I'm. Um, where are you? I'm just outside of Boston. So, oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. I know I don't, have the, I don't have the Boston accent. I'm from Ireland, so. <laughs> yeah, I detected something foreign. I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, no. I'm up here. It's about 90 degrees. The weather is beautiful. Yeah, it's really hot down here, too. Yeah. So you're in Delaware, are you? Yes. Yeah, nice nice part of the country. I was down there a few times. Nice and flat. Yeah, it is. I'm just a little <laughs> bit south of Philadelphia. Okay, very nice. Very nice. So, we'll just get straight into the interview. I'll probably okay. be 20 odd minutes or so. Okay, great. All right, no problem. We're obviously here to talk about the, the UFO, the Salentino Cuts, the covers album. Um, was there any talk about doing a covers album before now? You know, we've been talking about doing this record for probably close to two years. And uh, we've kind of been kicking around ideas, and, you know, at first it sounded interesting, and then we weren't so sure, and then we thought it was cool again, and, you know, inevitably we ended up doing it because, you know, we thought it would be something interesting, something different, and something fun to do, that you know, something we haven't done before. And, uh, yeah, so it's been kicked around for a couple of years. Okay, and did you think it was dead in the water at any stage? Are you surprised you're actually doing it? Yeah, I mean, in the very beginning, I thought, yeah, it's probably not going to happen, you know. Nobody was really taking it too seriously. And then I think just uh, being on the tour bus and and talking about it and, and like, kind of starting to talk about what songs we could potentially do, you know, it started to kind of take on a life and, and some excitement built about it. And, and uh, you know, that's pretty much how it happened. Yeah, and did you play and a lot? Do you play a lot of covers with UFO? Maybe at sound checks or maybe during the odd set. We break into little parts of other songs on stage, you know, in the middle of uh, 
jamming and stuff, but we've never really covered a song per se. Okay. Okay. So, so tell me the process of picking picking the songs. Like, um, did you, when you're recording them, did you want to stay true to the originals? Like, what was your approach there? Uh, a little bit. I mean, we it was kind of tedious and torturous in a way choosing which songs we were going to do because nobody could really commit to anything. You know, we threw so many different song titles out there, and. Uh, you know, it just took kind of a, a long time to hone in on we were, what we were actually going to do. And we had the core of it decided on before we got into the studio, but there was still a lot that we needed to think about. And uh, it didn't come together until the very end in the studio. We had like maybe six or seven songs, and we came up with probably four or five at the last minute while in the studio. Yeah. Yeah, and was there was there any song put forward where someone in the band said like there's no fucking way we're gonna do that? Um well, I'm not really coming up with anything. Yeah. I mean a lot of it depends on the vocalist. It depends on like the style of his voice and whether he thinks he can do that kind of cover or not. So, you know, there were songs that were probably out of the picture, you know, immediately. Yeah. So did, did the label put any suggestions in at all, or did they leave you guys doing um, everything? They pretty much left it to us. They didn't have any suggestions or get involved, really, in any way. Yeah. And did you learn to play guitar to any of these, like, when you were really young? Any of the, any of the tracks at all? Well, I mean, I was a big fan of Robin Trower, and I was always learning his songs and learning his licks. Mm -hmm. So definitely Robin Trower, some Leslie West, and Jeff Beck. Yeah. Was a huge influence of mine. So yeah, I got to cover some of my heroes on this one. Yeah, and was there how many of the songs on the on the on the album did you put forward? Wow, that's a good. Well, Two Rolling Stone was definitely my suggestion. Mm -hmm. For the mountain, I thought Mississippi Queen might have been too much of the obvious choice, so I chose Never in My Life. To be honest with you, and then that didn't work out, and we thought, well, let's just do Mississippi Queen. Yeah. Um. What else did I suggest? So I can't even remember at this point. Okay, and like, there's a couple of tracks on it now. It's a pretty varied selection, and it's not all—it's not the obvious songs. Um, but the two that stand out to me are the, are the two that like are recorded in the '90s. Like Bon Jovi's "It's My Life" is one of them. Like, who picked that one? Actually, that is um, the Animals. It's my life. Ah. Sorry. It's my life, and I'll think what I want. Okay. And that was that was Phil's idea because he liked the vocal on that. Okay. All right. I was giving the wrong information on that, Vinny. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. And and the other one, the, the Mad Season song, "River of the Sea," that Lane Staley, um, Mike McCready's band. That was an interesting choice. Yeah, you know that is probably the most surprising choice on the whole record. And again, that was actually Phil's idea, believe it or not. Wow. Um, he tends to get like fixated on a certain song or a certain artist or a certain album by an artist and he'll just listen to it constantly on one tour it was constantly ZZ Top's greatest hit hits before the show after the show I mean I love ZZ Top but I started to get sick of hearing the ZZ Top all the time <laughs> and uh, you know that song Mad Season he just for some reason was fixated on that and would play it from his phone like all the time yeah I and I love that band and that song, so I was definitely happy to do that one. 
And I was happy that he wasn't playing Pink from his phone, which, you know, he was fixated about for a while, too. Pink? <laughs> yes. Very good. Very good. Strange fixations from that board. <laughs> yeah, so I, I want to go back a little bit to when, when you joined the band. Now, a couple of the guys, they would, the guys in the band would have been together a long time, and they would have had very, probably a quirky sense of humor, an English sense of humor. Was that easy to hone in on in the beginning, to understand that? No, I mean, there were just some phrases and some terminology that I had to learn about, and it was just, you know, different to me. Okay. Okay. And I'm trying to think of what things, you know, just a lot of different sayings, but, I, you know, I caught on pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, was there was there one guy in the beginning in the band that, like, you know, you got on really well with at the start, and someone else you were a little bit like, oh, I don't know what he's saying here, um, I'll have to get the lie of the land kind of thing? Um, you know, I got along with Jason Bonham really well. He was in the band when I first joined. We were the two new guys, and we were also like a year apart age-wise, so mm-hmm. maybe we had a lot more in common in that regard. So, yeah. you know, we were pretty tight in the beginning, and, of course, he left, and Andy came in the band. And, you know, I've been pretty close with Andy, actually, also. You know, we're similar in a lot of ways. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, every once in a while I have to say, well, what does that mean? But for the most part, you know, I understand what they're talking about. Yeah, I've learned some things. When I moved over, yeah, when I moved over here, Vinny, I'd say certain things, and they'd look at me like, "What are you talking about?" It's just the way I said it, like you know, like bollocks or something like that. They'd be like, "What does that mean?" (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that one either. (laughs) So I want to ask you, um, Pete Way's got a book out. Have you read it, or have you any interest in reading it? I haven't read it. Uh, somebody sent me a couple pages just to look at a couple excerpts. And yeah. Yeah, I, I'm probably not going to read it. I mean, I heard it glorifies his drug use, which is not something I really care to be reading. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I want to talk about the rumors out there that, you know, the band are thinking of playing Strangers in the Night in its entirety. And I want, from your point of view, would you be okay playing that ra- rather than playing some other stuff that you actually wrote? That is definitely just a rumor. Um, the band has never talked about it, about it, even though Phil kind of mentioned it in an interview. To be honest, what I think happened was maybe he had a couple drinks before an interview and somebody said, would you ever do that? And he said, well, it is something that's been talked about. And it has because people mention it to us constantly, and I really think that's what he meant more so than he meant the band has talked about it because we've never talked about it and I don't think it'll ever happen. And uh, we do so many songs from that record and have done so many songs from that record over the years that, you know, what's the point in just doing that entire record and nothing else? Yeah. I I personally wouldn't be into that at all, to be honest with you. Okay. And are there any UFO songs that you love that you've actually never played live? Um... There's a song from the Forset record called High Flyer. Mm-hmm. I tried to get them to do that. I love that song. And, um, you know, there's also some other things I suggested from Forset record, like Love, Lost Love. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't get anywhere with suggesting those for the live performance. Yeah, what about any songs that you've written with the band on the albums? Any of those come to mind? Um, I'm real happy that we do Baby Blue and have done that over the years. That's one of my favorite songs that we've done together. Uh, nothing 
comes to mind, I mean, if I sat down and looked at a list of all our songs, there would definitely be some that I wish we were playing. Yeah. But nothing comes to mind. Yeah. Another thing I was reading recently is um, Marty Friedman did an interview where he hates being called a shredder. Now, you came up in the same period as him. You were on shrapnel. What's your idea of that term? Like, is that a term that you hate as well? You know, I hated it when it when I was uh, in the 80s when they first started using it. Yeah. Because I thought it just, like, referred to somebody who had nothing but chops and just played really fast and virtuosic all the time. And, you know, I didn't feel like that's the only thing I did. And I was really more of a songwriter into creating melodies and into creating moods. And, you know, maybe I did have a certain amount of physical ability on the guitar, but that's, like, not the most important thing to me it never was and that's like not what i wanted to be known for yeah it seems that a lot i wanted to be more known for like complete more completely what i do yeah it seems to me that a lot of the guitarists from that era like they just hate the term but they had to call you something i suppose and exactly the term yeah. they called you guys and it's kind of stuck with you guys all all the all through the years yeah i mean i guess i don't mind it so much nowadays yeah you know, it's just a, a title, and, and people who really know about, you know, what we do kind of delve into it more, and they know that, you know, everybody has a particular style, and they know what you do, and yeah. more about what you're all about as an artist. Yeah. I, I want to bring up something that's a little bit off the off, off, the, off the, the, the beaten path here, Vinny. One of the things okay. I've noticed, it's, it's, it's actually come up recently with a lot of friends of mine, and I've seen it on social media. One of the things over here, and I'm living here seven years now, that kind of puts me off going to shows, and I'm just wondering if you as a musician notice this, the start time that you guys go on stage, you know, can be a little, you know, it can be like 11 o'clock at night in midweek. And I'm thinking, are you guys conscious of that when it, when you look at the audience, thinking if we actually started a little bit earlier, you know, we might get more people here and it's going to affect your traveling the next day and all that. Is that we might get more sleep, too. Yeah, we, you know I, I mean? definitely like going on better earlier. And uh, we just did like four shows in, in, in England and uh, we were going on at like 9 o'clock at night and I thought that was perfect. And there have been times in Europe where we've gone on at midnight and it's just crazy. It's way too late. But, you know, where that comes from is that you're playing in clubs and they're making a lot of money selling alcohol, and so they're trying to keep people there as long as possible and get them to buy as much alcohol. Yeah, you know, and they're trying to sell as much as they can in that in that time period, and that's pretty much where it comes from, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, what I find is like you know, you guys going to shows like your your UFO and Iron Maiden and all that, they're probably in like the mostly the thirty to fifty years of age range, and they all have kids. And they all have to be up for work early the next day. And they might go to the show and then they find out you're not on stage till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And it's like, nah, I'm not going to go. I'm going to skip. Yeah, they kind of misrepresent the starting time a lot, too, I noticed. Yeah, you go and there's like five support acts and you only know about one of them. <laughs> you're like, what the hell? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do want to ask you about, uh, you're doing shows. I know you're doing the shows with UFO and Saxon coming up. But you're also doing a show on my way with Gus G. Um, I think it's in November. You're doing a run of dates with him. Do you know Gus at all? Yeah, we've known each other for quite a while now. And uh, we jammed together once. I did a concert in Greece, and he was there. And I brought him up on stage to jam, and it was a lot of fun. There was a good energy. 
And I thought, you know, I'd like to work with Gus someday, whether it be recording or, or playing together live, whatever. And then uh, this opportunity came up to tour together, and, you know, I'm real happy about it. He's a tremendous player, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, like, what are the young guitar players out there do you love? Is there any any that come to mind? Um, you know, I don't know how about young, but Guthrie Govins, pretty amazing. Uh, Ron Saul, Bumblefoot is amazing. Yep. Everybody, this is Ron Bumblefoot Saul of the band Art of Anarchy, and you are listening to Focus on Metal. And uh, boy, that's what comes to my mind. Okay. Okay. So when when you go out now on the on the tour with Saxon, are you, you going to play any of these covers in the set at all? I think we're going to do at least one or two. Okay. That must be tough though, because you got to drop something. Yeah, that's the thing. There's so many songs. This band has so much back catalog that, you know, what songs do you play? Somebody's always going to be unhappy that you left something out or whatever. But that's just the nature of the beast. So yeah. yeah, so in general, Vinny, how, do you still practice a lot? Do you, how, how, how many hours a day now would you pick up a guitar and play? Or does it all depend on the on the circumstances? It all depends. I mean, sometimes I go through periods where I don't play for a couple of days, and sometimes I have it in my hand all day. Sometimes I play for 15 or 30 minutes. There's no, like, set routine. It's just kind of feel it in the moment type of thing. Yeah. And what, what about a new UFO album? Is there any talk about doing that? We haven't really discussed it. Um, you know, I'm, I hope we do. And yeah, maybe I should mention it at this point to the guys and see what they're thinking. But, yeah, I would like to do at least one more. Yeah. You, you're surprised now. You've been in the band since, what, 2003? When you when you joined the band in 2003, did you think, wow, in 2017 I'm going to be still with him, or did you think it was only going to be a couple of years? I never would have thought that in a million years. I mean, I thought maybe it would last three to five years or something. Yeah. And, you know, I'm definitely surprised myself. It's been a nice ride, and time has just flown by so quickly. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you, Vinny. The albums you've done, I, re, I love them all. I think you've been a great addition to the band. Oh, thanks so much. I appreciate that. All right, Vinny. Well, thanks for taking a few minutes of your day to uh, to talk to me about the new album. And uh, I have the opportunity now to see you twice in the next three months, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, thanks very much. Hope to see you there. Yeah. All right, Vinny. Take care. Have a good rest of the day. Okay. Okay. All right. You too. Good talking to you. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Evan Reed. You're listening to Focus on Metal.
Doing all right, and you? Good. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was going to be this damn quick, but uh, I, you guys are, uh, I guess, a little bit prolific with this stuff. Well, you know, you have more than one songwriter. What are you going to do? Drown in songs? <laughs> but, but then you guys go ahead, too, with three albums in, and you decide to basically do a, essentially a rock opera, which is, I think, even uh, an even more reaching goal. Than, uh, but uh, nice job on it. Well, it, it is. I mean, it, it was, you know, I knew it would be a lot of work, but it was more than I thought. But I guess it ends up being the more extra, I mean, more extra work for me, given that I'd work with the lyrics as well, you know, and, and that's my responsibility. So that's why you really have to keep track of everything and <laughs> make sure that everything works and sits right. So I, but, but it was fun. It was a nice challenge actually. And I, I feel I'm very happy that we did this. Nice. Nice. So of course, for those of you who are getting in the conversation and going, what are these two idiots talking about? Well, talking to urban breed <laughs> today about the brand new release from Sirius black called magic. Uh, Great stuff, and uh, these guys have just gone ahead and done a nice, you know, 14-track story all about Mr. Nightmist and, uh, and good stuff. So, uh, you know, like I said, you know, guys, you guys going into and doing a, a, a rock opera, is this, did you guys start out with this, or did you start to just have a couple of songs that were along the same theme and you decided you had something going? How did you guys actually corral into doing this this way? Well, I've been thinking about making a, a concept album for, for years and years, and the, the right opportunity hasn't really presented itself. And uh, it was uh, one day uh, while we were on the tour, it was the Mirror World Tour, and we were in Stuttgart. I woke up on the tour bus, and I have this thing going through my head, and it's like, we're making serious black magic, just going through my head, like around and around and over and over. I wake up like that, and I'm like, hey. This is a good idea. So I decided I'm, I'm talking to the guys about it and we're, they're getting ready for the show because obviously I wake up at five in the afternoon. So <laughs> so they're preparing for a sound check and everything. And, I'm, and nobody's listening and nobody gives a shit. Um, but, you know, I knew it was a good idea. So a little bit later on the tour, this time a bit more clever, I presented after <laughs> the show. So we're backstage. Uh, this is funny, actually. because So we're backstage in a club here in Munich where I happen to be right now called backstage we're backstage backstage and i present uh, the chorus to serious black magic uh, at this point i changed it a little bit so it had two variations and i uh, talked to bob about it and he picks up the guitar right next to him and it says and this is the riff he said and we had it and that was just it and so given that and uh, we we had a meeting with afm just a little bit later and uh, I basically asked them if it was okay if we did this, and they they, we, they gave us the green light, so that was cool. And so it worked with the concept that I had in mind for a long time, and uh, I, I guess it was the right time for it. No, it, it's uh, it's definitely very interesting, and and you know you mentioned that kind of the seed of it being that song, Serious Black Magic, and yeah, just you know listening to that song and wondering like how the guys felt that that, that song will become so closely you know associated with Serious Black almost like it's your like you know title track for the band was there was there a lot of thought given to that or was it just ah this this whole thing just kind of worked we're just going to go with it uh i think it wasn't as much of a thought as it was a feeling we we all felt like this is this is really really good this is really really good it's like really 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 good and uh, i kept saying over and over again that you know if we can just get enough exposure on this album 
that song is going to be our the number of the beast. It's going to be our balls to the wall, and we're never going to have to. You know, we're, we're never going to get away without playing it. Yeah, I think that's going to actually go down really good live. And you know, talking about live, is there like any intent of going out and playing this thing like top to bottom out there, or are you just going to pick tracks off of there to? Uh, that that is the plan. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have the budget to do so right now because at this stage we're heading out on the our second headliner tour, and uh, basically we have so 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 many things we need to invest in that we can't quite bring the full cast of characters that we want with us for it. So it, it's going to be a little too expensive. We need an we need an extra nightliner with us, and we can't afford two buses just for that. So so for for this tour, we're bringing out six, maybe seven numbers from the new album. And uh, whenever we have the, the money to actually do the, the full full album, we're going to do it. Nice. You know, because one of the reasons I was asking about the live is just listening to some of the songs, especially the song I Can Do Magic. And, and that one there is kind of has some, some unique time shifts and some stops and starts and, and all that. And I was like, wow, this is going to be really aggressive to be able to do that one live. It's, it's something we're looking forward to a lot, actually. And uh, I, I think that's another one that's going to go down really well. And I think it, it's a, in this case, it's also a little fun. You know, you, you look at the sequence of songs and the titles. I, I love this this lineup. I can do magic, serious black magic. I love that. <laughs> that was <laughs> the, the thought I had when I decided that this, this, these two needed to go together. And it, it worked out with the storyline as well. But, yeah, like you said, there are plenty of little... There are... If you, you just listen to the song, you're not going to really think about it because it works the way we play it, yeah. and you might most people might not realize that there are plenty of plenty of there's plenty of finesse on this album. There are plenty of things that they, it seems straightforward, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that stuff. And sometimes it's the other way around, where you know it seems really complicated, but it's like yeah, it's just a breeze. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, you know, because usually when I'm listening to something new, I, I kind of listen to it more as kind of the the music lover first. And then after that, I see the, the guitarist or the producer comes in on the next listen. And then I start picking up all that stuff <laughs> yeah. you were talking about. But then when I can do, Ma- yeah. you know, I can do magic came in. I instantly went into like producer, like musician mode. And I was like, wow, just like, how do you time keep? And especially like the pause. And then after the pause, you kind of have that staccato rhythm that comes out. I'm like, Oh man, that's going to be just amazing live. If you can pull it off. So yeah, good stuff. What? It, it shouldn't be a problem because you know we've we've done this song so many times already. <laughs> it's just just working on it and recording it. So yeah, I, I, I think we got it, and you know, it's sort of like lodged in our backbones at this time, hmm. you know, or, or wherever you want to lodge it. I like the fact that you guys had a listener's companion because you know I, I get get the stuff from AFM, and usually I just I'll, because now you no know, cars don't have CD players anymore, so I got to put it on my USB stick. And then oh, yeah, yeah. you play the album and it kind of plays it in like whatever order it feels like. And I'm like, crap, I can't do this. Like, I need to hear these in order. So I had to kind of keep it as like 01, 02 and try to force it to actually play me the stuff in order. So you really get the experience yeah. of what you guys intended. So it's uh, but it, I mean, it's worth, you know, worth doing to actually hear it. Because uh, I with this album in particular, absolutely, because I think the, the flow of the album is absolutely wonderful. It came together just it's like magic. It really flows. It really works. You know, the one song goes into the next. I mean, it's not like we're, you know, doing any fancy segues or anything. It's just that the, the track list is just so well composed. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, was there any talk when you guys were initially doing it to have any kind of little interstitial stuff between songs to kind of bridge things? Or did you decide, you know, just besides the intro, you were going to just go ahead and just do straight songs? 
Um, obviously, you know, you're, you're doing a concept album. You're, you're thinking, well, do we do little snippets of this and bits of that? And do we do reprises of this theme and that theme? And it didn't seem right with this band. It's it's just like, you know, if, if we'd had a small little bit that someone had written that has a quirk that would, was intended to go in, yes, should we do it? But we, you know, personally, I thought about all these things because I'm a progressive rock freak. So I <laughs> I love all this stuff. But even I said, like, no, no, this is better. Just, you know, go from the one song to the next and uh, just keep the flow going. Yeah. That's better. Now, you know, like you mentioned, you guys have the tour coming up and you guys are doing some pretty extensive touring, you know, through Europe and over in the UK and stuff. And was that tough to schedule with the fact that you guys are, you know, busy with so many different things? Oh, some, sometimes it's difficult, but uh, this time it wasn't all that hard because we've had, a, you know, quite a long time to plan this. We, I mean, essentially, you, we started working on this album already, you know, while we were on the tour, the last tour, so... We knew when this album would come out. We knew when we were going to tour. So, yeah, if you if you have that much much of a heads up, it's not a problem. Yeah. Uh, it would be a problem if it's like, hey, can we do a tour in two months? Um, then it's more or less impossible because everyone's got something to do. Yeah. And, and you know, also, you know, we talked about the album that, that AFM actually put out, the, the multiple versions, obviously having the regular version. And you guys have another one. It's the digipack, and you got some uh, some live stuff in there, right? And then there's the the big box set. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, th that's just, this is one of those things we came up with very quickly. That uh, the special box set we wanted, we were all going like, yeah, let's make a special, tar you know, custom made tarot deck, and yeah, and then we make a custom serious black Ouija board, and we we came up with all these things, and we had more wild, crazy ideas, but you know, these were the ones that we could actually make, and and it's kind of cool. I'm actually really looking forward to getting my own sets so I can check it out. Yeah. And uh, and another thing I wanted to point out is that uh, contrary to what we've done before in the past, because you know I said this, that we're making a concept album. This is why we we needed the, the heads up, you know, with AFM and getting the green light for there, is because I said if we're making a concept album every single version has all the songs on it. The only country that gets anything with more songs is Japan. They get one extra track, and that is separate. It's got nothing to do with the story. So so I, I thought that was it's really important with the concept album that you keep the integrity of the album. You can't just pick and choose and just drop out half of the stuff. Right, exactly, yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, it's, it's, AFM has been pretty cool about the box sets, but I have to say, even though, you know, I'm talking to you about it, is this is probably one of the coolest ones I've seen because it does go with the whole theme of it as well. And uh, just as opposed to like, oh, yeah, we get a box and some little extra thing in there. But it's just the whole thing is just, <laughs> yeah. it just it works all together and it looks pretty damn cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was the thought. We wanted to make sure that it's a it's a package deal that it, make, that it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, I mean, why do you want to pick, you know, let's stuff a corkscrew in there? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got nothing to do with it, you know. Yeah. And uh, we, we also had to think about what, what's feasible and, and what, would you know what would what do we want if if we buy this what what do we want and we were all crazy about that these were our top options so that's why we have this box set yeah. the way it is yeah it's, it's definitely it's definitely pretty cool and uh, like i said i think it's probably the coolest one i've seen so far out of those guys yeah yeah and like you said they do do good box sets in general so <laughs> this is high praise thank you <laughs>
as far as the songs go, which one is really kind of hitting on you right now as, as uh, like your favorite on all of this? Well, I, I know why. I mean, I have two tracks that are my favorites, and I know exactly why. It's just because I'm a singer, and, and this is why I love Now You'll Never Know and True Love is Blind, because they're all about the vocal. They're all about the vocal 100%, you know, and so so that's that's why I love those so much. And uh, so it's not really fair, because th- that this doesn't mean that they're the best songs. It's just that they're so vocal friendly, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah, that's that's true. And that's yeah. And You'll Never Know is kind of a uh, interesting one, too, because, you know, at the beginning of it, you're thinking it's going to go one way and then you guys, it isn't even a build. It's almost like a fast shift in and, and, uh, and you're like, Oh, all right. And, and then you kind of get this nice pace to it. And so that's uh, definitely a pretty cool track. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy about it, the way it turned out. And, uh, you know, we, we did a lot of pretty much every song that that's on this album has seen a number of revisions and, uh, it, this one has seen a lot, <laughs> so so that was that was cool. And the, the way it turns out is just like I said, it's my one of my favorites. So I think it's beautiful. Yeah, and you know, one thing with this, of course, obviously, is sequencing isn't an issue because it's got to follow that whole, you know, uh, the storyline. But was there any kind of? Yeah, but, but this, but this song, this song in particular, now you'll never know, was one of the songs that we actually moved. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the lyrics, it's it's actually okay because. I could have easily tweaked the story yeah. to to place this somewhere else. I could just say that he told this tale somewhere else a little bit later. And I had this uh, one track later to begin with, and it didn't really make sense. And we, we were talking about it, and, and then I this is when we talked about this. I actually had to make like a conspiracy-type wall in the back of my studio where I had the lyrics and threads going and like keep the chronology right and keep all the characters and every all my notes correct. And uh, I figured out that, well, wait a minute. If I do move this here, everything makes a lot more sense. It's a lot easier. So, so the guys asked me if we could move it forward, and it turned out that we could, and it was better. And now I'm, you know, we're all really happy we did this because it really flows. And now we also get this. I can do magic, serious black magic. So nice. And it, when you when you guys were writing any of these particular songs, was there any kind of a sense of, well, you know, this is this part of the story we're talking about this, but I'd like it to be, you know, at this pace or or anything like that, or was it just they just came out the way they came out? Um, it's it's a it's a mix. Some of the songs just came out the way they came out, and basically what we did in that case, we took the the song that we had that matched the the feel of the story at the moment. And, you know, we chose this song over the other song and the other song is now left to the side and whether it got used at all, or if it could be used for something else that that was irrelevant. So we just, this one worked, but a number of songs, like for instance, the very last song, it's, uh, it's something where Bob and I, we were, it was the last day of the tour. In fact, the tour was over. We'd come back to the studio and we decided to, you know, instead of just hanging out in the studio and waiting for our flights, we decided let's, let's be comfortable. So we walked across the street and there's a, a hotel right there. So we checked in and then we ha- hung out and talked like, well, well into the night. And we basically talked our way through as to what we wanted the last song to be. And uh, so by the time... We, we split up and Bob flew to Greece and I flew back to the U.S. We knew exactly. Without, we, we didn't even sing. We didn't hum. We didn't play an instrument. We just talked it through. And then Bob went to work on it and they sent me a, a backing track that I could check out. And the only thing I asked for was, can I get four more bars? I need that for the lyrics. That was all. <laughs> and so, so, yeah, so some of these things were just like, okay, let's see what we have and match it up. And others were more pen to work with the story. 
So obviously you guys got a lot going on. You got this coming out. You got the tour coming up fast. And I know, I know that everybody can go get tour dates at uh, Sirius-Black.com. Go up there and you got the dates. But, uh, you know, as usual, you want to throw out the, uh, the Twitter and, and Facebook and all that stuff for everybody as well? Yeah, normally, but I can't remember it. Can you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, people aren't, stu- pe- pe- people aren't stupid. The band name is Sirius Black. You can find us. You know where we are. And uh, if you don't know, well, then maybe you need to give me a call. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I mean, yeah, all that stuff is important, of course. But like I said, you, you guys can find it. You know the band name. Google it. You'll find us. And, uh, and and that's just that. And I wanted to say something else. Since I did mention, and you mentioned I Can Do Magic, it's actually a song that I wrote together with Jonah Weingarten. Really? Uh, of Pyramids. And he co-wrote three songs on the album, actually. It's Lone Gunman Rule, I Can Do Magic, and uh, Just Kill Me. Hmm. So uh, this this was a lot of fun to actually work with Jonah and bring it into this band and it really worked well together because we, we got exactly what we wanted out of it, you know? That's cool, yeah, because I definitely I like Lone Gummin Rule, that one there grew on me really quickly and uh, yeah, Just Kill Me yeah. is slowly creeping up on me as well, so and, and there, <laughs> yeah. obviously Pyramaze is a great band as well Absolutely, I mean it's and a great bunch of people which is, you know, part of the reason why I was so happy to, to fly up to Minneapolis and spend a a uh, week up there, week and a half with Jonah, and just write. And uh, in fact, in that time, we wrote six songs. But you know, not everything was for this. So we'll see what else happens. I'll fly up there again. I'm sure. There you go. All right. Well, as usual, it's always great to talk to you, Urban. And I get psyched whenever a new Serious Black album comes out. I didn't think I'd get psyched so fast because Mirror World is still <laughs> pretty fresh on my mind. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, you guys are bringing out some great stuff and. I mean, you got like you said, you got a lot of firepower in this band as well. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, beat after Roland left, and uh, Bob is definitely a, a great you know replacement for him. A pretty prolific. Yeah. Guy. So yeah, I'm glad about everything that's going on with Sirius Black. I mean, uh, the thing is, you know, with with so much talent and so many people working constantly, there there's not a problem, not a problem in the world that we can't solve. Nice. Uh, except maybe for hunger, but we can <laughs> work on that later. Awesome, man. Well, as I said, it's great to talk to you again. Uh, always great to have you on the show. And, uh, you know, next one comes out, I'll be uh, happy to have you come back on and uh, regale us with some uh, more background on the on the release again. I'd love to do that. All right, Absolutely. Right. It's a pleasure. All right, man. I uh, hope to talk to you again All right. soon. I hope so, too. All right. right. Bye-bye. And there you go. Another great talk with Urban Breed from Sirius Black. And obviously, during that interview, I played... Uh, not only serious black magic, but also I can do magic was the last one I played. Or as Urban would say, I can do magic. Serious black magic. So good stuff there. Uh, that one there just came out. So go pick yourself up a copy of Serious Black's brand new one, Magic. And I still got a little time left in the show today. So uh, just because I feel like it, I'm going to pick a track out of the old library here. Got a great one for you this week. And uh, the name of the track is called Kingslayer. It's from the band Seven Kingdoms off their brand new one that came out a few months ago called Decennium. Really, really good album. Uh, So uh, I'm going to let it speak for itself. Once again, this is the band Seven Kingdoms off of their Decennium album. And the track is Kingslayer.
There you go, the track Kingslayer from Seven Kingdoms, just because I felt like it. Got to fill up a little bit of extra time in the show. Why not do it with some great new metal? Anyways, that is it for yet another week here at Focus on Metal. Big thanks to Vinny Moore for coming on the show, talking all about the uh, new covers album from UFO. The album is called The Salentino Cut, and it is slated to be released next month. And of course, we didn't play anything during the interview because we have zero access to anything on the uh, on the album so far. That's why Rishi didn't even know when he was talking about the uh, tracks that uh, it wasn't, in fact, a uh, Bon Jovi track, but a totally different track because very little information has been given out to us so far about it. And as I said, we have gotten zero access to any of the actual music on the album either. And anyways... Again, big thanks to Vinny for coming on the show and uh, giving us a little bit of insight into the Salentino cuts as well as everything else going on with UFO. And if you're able to, be sure to catch them out on the road with Saxon. And of course, once again, big thanks to my buddy Urban Breed coming on the show once again, talking to us about the latest Sirius Black album, Magic. And if you want to find out more about the band, the album, the tours, all that good stuff, again, go to Sirius dash black.com and you know he talks about googling it but if you do google it don't get it confused with the character from harry potter it's serious as in hey i'm really serious about metal so that is it for another week here at focus on metal of course you can always go to focus on metal.net and see all of our past episodes and also go up to focus on metal.blogspot.com where we keep the show notes some videos all that good stuff as well and more good stuff on the way next week we've been uh, doing interviews both richie and myself got some good stuff in the can can't wait to uh, share that stuff with you i think you're going to enjoy the uh, the guests that are coming up i know that we enjoy talking to them but uh, anyways for uh, for this week that is uh, that is pretty much it there ain't no more put a fork in it this one is done so for richie myself and everybody else here hanging out at focus on metal studio e as we always say have yourselves a great metal week and until we talk to you again next week remember focus on metal everything else is insignificant You're still here? It's over. Go home.